Good morning. We continue in our, our reset series where we're, we're really talking about how do we make deep changes in our life that um, really go to the root issues of the behaviors or the actions, the reactions, the attitudes that need to change. And so today we're going to look more at what does it mean to turn to God, to turn to the Father. And the the story that we're looking at in our devotional, this is part of our, our workbook, our reset workbook, is actually very familiar. It's the story of the prodigal son. This is Luke 15, beginning at verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the of the estate. So he divided up his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And while he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole land, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out, I'll go back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. In the passage we looked at yesterday, just to to remind you, because we're going to talk something about the connection of these two, but Zechariah 1, 3, God tells Zechariah to tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. So here's this Hebrew word, shub, which means to turn either away from God in apostasy or rebellion, but also has the idea of turning from apostasy apostasy or unbelief, turning from rebellion, turning to God. And so Jesus illustrates this, this return to God in the parable of the prodigal son. And this story as you probably know, I mean, the younger son shamefully, I mean, he shames his father, he shames his family. He takes his father's estate, he takes his portion of it, and he sells it off. I mean, uh, that's the end of his legacy. It's the end of his connection with his father. This is the ultimate disrespect. This is the ultimate divorce with the father. I'll take what I ha- what you owe me, I sell it. There will be no more generations of mine that will live on this land or that will be a part of your family. So it's a 
It's a, it is a heavy, heavy, shameful thing that he has done to his father. But the scripture uh, says, as Jesus tells this incredible story, he quickly loses his money. And, it, and, and his lifestyle is what causes him to lose the money. But the problem is that when he loses all of his money, he loses all of his provision. He loses all his friends. He loses all his access. And a famine hits the land, and there are no jobs to be had, so he takes the worst possible job. So he went from living in the safety and the provision of his father's house to living in a pig pen where he's so hungry he wishes that he could eat the pig's food. It's at this point in the story that that phrase that is so essential to change, that is so essential to repentance biblically, he came to his senses. See, in a sense, you never truly repent of something that you love. You, re- you don't repent of something that's providing for you. You don't, pre- you don't repent of something that you haven't discovered is a lie. It's when he came to his senses. And that, this is one of the, this is one of the, the, the powerful things of Satan's arsenal against us. Temptation. Satan doesn't tempt you with things that aren't specifically engineered to make you believe that they will be your provider, your provision. Satan doesn't tempt you with things that that don't connect in some way with some legitimate need that you have in your life, but he catches you in a place of weakness. And the other, the other aspect of Satan's arsenal would be called deception. One of, the, one of the issues of deception and why it is so effective is when a person is deceived, they do not know that they're deceived. So this, this phrase, come to his senses, came to his senses. You see, that's the recognition that I've fallen under temptation. And the promise of sin is nowhere near the kind of, you know, meeting of my needs that it seemed to promise. Or I was so deceived. I was so deceived. And now I have been awakened to the level of lie that I have believed and the deception that has captured me and captured my heart. Now, when you think about it in terms of temptation, in terms of deception, it, it not only has an emotional effect, but it can almost have a physical effect, adrenaline. It can, it can make you feel alive. The first, time, uh, the first time you sin in an area, an illicit area of sexuality, substance abuse, whatever it might be, it can make you feel like, ah, this is what I was always looking for. But there is this thing that, that studies and research have proved that, that have fascinated me is that things that are illicit, things that tempt you, can fool your, your, your brain. It can fool the chemicals of your brain once. And one of the studies that I read was on cocaine, and it said that said that cocaine could make your brain release so much of the 
of the pleasure hormones and, and your whole your whole body would just just be uh, sensitized to this but it said that every time you participate from that point on there's a diminishing return and so you have to do more and more to try to get back to the feeling that you had the first time you see this is the nature of deception. This is the nature of temptation. Is that it tricks you. It, it tricks your brain. It tricks your, your, your emotional center into thinking, if I can just do this or if I can just have this, if this will just happen for me, then I will, I'll be happy. I'll be fulfilled. I'll be satisfied. But, but what the prodigal son story is all about is it, it's really about the deception and temptation of sin, of that kind of independence from God and that divorce from the Father's house may seem like independence. It may seem like pleasure. It may seem like what you're really looking for. But the end of it is a pig pen and not enough to eat. And coming to your senses in this very deep and life-transforming way is what Jesus is asking the people to do. At this point, when the son comes to his senses, he has a reset. And what we see is he physically begins to turn, return home. This is a picture of repentance, the, the, the turn around, the going in a different direction. Emotionally, you see, the son makes a shift towards home as he begins to realize, I have nothing to eat but the servants, even those who work for my father, not the sons, but the servants are better off than I am. One of my favorite theologians is Sinclair Ferguson. And he makes this observation about the parable. He says, biblical repentance then is not merely a sense of regret. You see, if, if if all he is is regretful that he left the father's house, then he's still stuck in the pig pen and there's still not enough to eat. And, and regret as an emotion leaves you right where it finds you. This is so, oh, to me, this is so important that the people I love would begin to realize how, how wasteful regret is, how self-centered, not God-centered regret is. Regret leaves you where it finds you. That's why it's not, it is not repentance. Instead, what we see in this passage, and Ferguson goes on to say, it's a radical reversal that takes us back along the road of our sinful wanderings, creating in us a completely different mindset. We come to our senses spiritually. This is why it's not enough just to get caught in your sin or just to have consequences of your sin. Those will create regret. They will they'll create a sense of remorse, but they won't, they won't propel you back home. And everything in the Bible, everything that God is offering is he's offering you to come, to come back home to the Father's house. You see, what happens as a son is, is making his way back home, his demand had been, give me. But now his request changes. And he says, make me a servant. See, he was his demand, give me. 
But now his, his request is make me a servant in your house. This, this is really the whole of the New Testament teaching. Ferguson says, there will be regret when you realize you've done wrong or you've made the wrong decision. There will be regret, he says. But the heart of repentance is the lifelong moral and spiritual turnaround of our lives as we submit to the Lord. See, true repentance is always leading you home. It's to the home of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's steps and this is why we use the repentance circle. As, as you move through repentance and you begin to receive forgiveness, then you start to realize that it's time to go home. That's why we use a circle. It, it's because we want to keep a continual movement. Um, here's, the, here's the way the prodigal son shows us the steps. There's a change, comes to his senses. There's a plan. In my father's house, even the servants are in better, you know, better position than me. And so instead of saying, give me, he comes back and he says, make me your servant. And then he returns. If you could begin to see that as part of the change project, lifetime change project, is that as you're seeing stuff in your life and you see where, you know, there's been sin and you're acknowledging it, and you're recognizing it, and you're beginning to receive forgiveness. Now we need the momentum to come home, change to plan to return. He had a change of mind while he was starving in the pig pen. He came up with a plan. He would go home to his father. He would say, make me one of your hired hands. And he did return home. Repentance, and, and this is so wonderful in all of the Old Testament and New Testament. Re repentance is always returning home to our Father. Now, let's think through some of the principles. I want to dig into this a little, a little more deeply, a little more biblically, theologically with you. I hope that's all right. What gives repentance real power is not the guilt that's evoked by the law of alone. alone. You see, there will be times when you will see and experience your guilt. Now, one of the things I talked about uh, this past Sunday, and I've talked about it other times because for me it's such a powerful imagery, is that when you go to a store like Costco, they ask you to show your receipt as you're leaving. And, and the receipt says, I have paid in full, and you cannot ask me to pay again. So, so part of what has to be in your heart as you are dealing with your guilt is you have to show your, your, your guilt the receipt. This has been paid for. Or else what happens is if you get mired in regret, you get mired in guilt, you get mired in your shame, you will not return home. You will think you're unworthy to return home. And so you'll get stuck. And the prodigal son is a full turnaround. And he makes it all the way home. And you need to make it all the way home. And it's the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the receipt that the guilt has been paid. I mean, no matter... Uh, you've got to hear me. I'm not, I'm not commending sin. I'm not saying sin so that grace may abound all the more. No, I'm saying when you are aware 
of an area of your life that, that there's guilt, that there's regret, that there's shame, it will, not, it will not give you the power to change that area if you just give in to the guilt and the shame or you try in some way to atone for that guilt or that shame. You will only overcome that guilt and that shame if you will say, but the payment has already been made. You show the receipt and you say to the shame, you say to the guilt, this is what Jesus paid for. And you see, there will, I mean, there will be guilt when you are in the wrong. I mean, this, the son, the parable tells us that this, this lost son, he felt incredibly guilty. He didn't come back demanding to be a son. He came back and said, make me a hired hand. He, he, he knew guilt. And when you see and, and, and see the holiness of God and the righteousness of Christ and you, you look at your life, there will oftentimes be guilt. The law of God can make us feel quite guilty and ashamed because we don't measure up. But the key is to look at the grace that is proclaimed to us only in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, it was the provision of the Father that brought the Son home. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance, Romans 2.4. It is only because there is forgiveness with God that we can live in an awareness and, and a truthfulness or an honesty about our sinfulness, but live knowing we are covered with the love of the Father, covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, this is the pattern whenever we see repentance in the scriptures, is there is a revelation of divine holiness. Just like there was a revelation to this prodigal son that he, he had no food, he was hungry. The, the word of God often reveals how empty we are, how unholy, how needy we are. I mean, grace is for the needy. Jesus came for the sick, not the well. He came for the unrighteous, not the righteous. And sometimes when you're reading God's word, you may, you may begin to feel a burden of guilt. I'm not living up to this. I'm not, I'm not experiencing the fullness of this. But you see, then what you do is you show the receipt of Jesus' payment. And then you look to the grace of God that sent his only son for you. And you start to realize even this guilt he does not want me to carry. And, and, and sometimes you, you have to allow that you, you see the shame, you see the guilt, and you feel the brokenheartedness in order that you will really repent at the deepest level. We are people who sometimes have to get to the pig pen with nothing to eat before we actually see how much we need to we need to change but why we change is not because we see we need to change why we really change or the power to change comes because of this great promise of forgiveness you know the psalmist realized this listen to what he says have mercy according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion Blot out my transgressions, cleanse me, wash me, let me hear joy and gladness. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. 
Create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's what David cried when his sin was found out. In Psalm 51, one, verses 1 through 12. You see, it's the kindness of the Lord. It's the grace of our God. It, it's the provision of our Father that brings us home. We're not asked, we're not demanding, we're not saying give me. We're saying make me. Make me a clean heart. Make me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I, I can't say this enough, I don't think. Regret is self-centered. Trying to atone for your guilt or your shame is self-centered. But true repentance is always God-centered. Have mercy on me, but according to your unfailing love. The focus is on his unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. But you see, in a way, maybe this is pretty deep for the morning, but in a way, what we're really starting to understand is our heart cries when we see our need for change. Our heart cries out and says, the cross, the cross. See, we sing about the cross, but we don't always find the cross as wondrous as it truly is. It will not do, friends, to wear a cross, but not bear the cross. Only when we are humbled under the mighty hand of God can there be exaltation. It's only when we can see how, in some ways, allow ourselves to see what the Holy Spirit is showing us, how bad it is, so that we can experience how good it is. We need to see how far we have sunk, to see our need of grace and the cross, and thus to find forgiveness and restoration. Repentance is always when we see our need to go home. That in my father's house, there's provision. This is Zechariah 1, where he says, return to me and I will return to you. In the Old Testament, there was, this was always a covenantal return. They had broken covenant with God. They had, they had instead, of, instead, of, instead of protecting the relationship with God and, and enhancing the relationship and intimacy with God, they had, they had, taking God for granted, and they had gone after other gods of pleasure and provision. And so the call was always to come back to the covenant. And when you, when you, at first glance, when you look at the New Testament, you might think, well, it's using very different language than covenantal language. But let's dig a little deeper for a few minutes and realize the whole of the New Testament. I mean, the word New Testament is new covenant. That's what that means. But in the New Testament, the covenant reaches its fulfillment. See, they were looking to the fulfillment of the covenant. We look on the, we look back on the fulfillment of the covenant in the coming of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. And, and we're living in these last days because Jesus inaugurated the kingdom and we're in the last days waiting for and preparing for when he will return. You know, 
the idea of covenant promise is no longer foremost like it was in the Old Testament because Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. In a sense, that whole language of covenant in the Old Testament, now the language of covenant is Christ himself. He is the covenant. The focus is no longer on the promise, but on a person. We, we live in the most special of times. They were, they were looking forward to the pr promise fulfilled. We look back on the promise fulfilled, and the promise is a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The message of the New Testament it, it is not the Old Testament message, which this is God's covenant, therefore repent. Instead, the message of the New Covenant, the New Testament, is the kingdom has come in the person of Jesus. Repent and believe in him. So kingdom-oriented, Christ-centered language predominates because he is the covenant. The covenant is the person of Jesus. This was always the focus. This, this was the focus of the old covenant, is that it will be fulfilled in the Messiah. It will be fulfilled in Jesus. Our king has come. Therefore, when we speak of the kingdom and the necessity of repentance, it's to speak in the language of the grace that God has shown in making a covenant with us that he is our God and we are his people. Jesus turns this parable of God's grace in, in the conversion of the, the story of the son who showed such prodigal indifference to the father. And he shows that, that when we are indifferent to God's covenant grace, we end up in the far country of sin. Only later did the memory of his father's house bring him to himself and then home to his father. See, the self-absorption of the son, his seeking pleasure rather than fellowship with his father, led to his bankruptcy and in a far country. Awakened to his folly and to the adequate provisions that even the servants enjoyed in the father's house turned his heart and his body toward home. You see, biblical repentance, I just reiterate this, is not merely a sense of regret because that leaves you where it found you. It's a radical reversal that takes us back along the road of our sinful wanderings, creating in us a completely different mindset. We come to our senses spiritually. Oh, friends, what a joy it is to live in the new covenant, that we who are not God's people are now God's people, that we look not to a promise to be fulfilled, but a promise fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. So we no longer have to be like the prodigal and say, give me, why won't you give me this job? Why can't I have this relationship? Instead, we can live and say, Lord, make me in every way conform to the image of your son. I return home. So meditate today. This is our reflection, our change Meditate today on the father's response to his son's return. Whatever it is you think about how God responds when you repent, the parable of the prodigal son 
has got to be the framework because when the son returns home, he's not scolded, he's not shamed. When the son returns home, the ring, the sandals, the robe, the party. That's the father's response. Where do you need a spiritual turnaround? Where do you need to come home? Is there something right now where the Spirit is convicting you to come to your senses? Where are you now in your return home? Are you getting to that place of sustained obedience? Where do you need a change of mind? Where is it you've been deceived or tempted? Where the world has offered you provision, but it's really just a pig pen that can never satisfy. Are you making plans? This is part of what we want to do during this season is say, okay, a plan needs to be made. A plan needs to be executed. We've got to return all the way home. Have you started the return journey? And are you focused on how your relationship with God is going? Here's what I want to conclude with this. First things first. One simple statement, but it always has helped me. The main things in the scripture are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. You do not change to come home. You come home so that you can change. Deciding to come home to God is always the first and most important step. Take that step. Start moving towards home. In Jesus' name. Amen.